This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From pieces of Eden, solar flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is SheCup. You probably also know me as Shelby. And we are back with another episode of the Assassin's Creed Lorecast for you. But before we get into our topic today, I'm here to introduce my co-host who is with us again this evening. Yeah, uh, I am Austin, also known as Teacup, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm really, really, really pumped for our episode today because... This is a topic that I think people have been waiting on since day one, since we launched this podcast in what, 2021, 2022, um, people have been waiting for this character deep dive. So Austin, why don't you just dive right in, bud? Right. So first character deep dive of the new season. And, you know, this season is all about revisiting stuff and getting to everything you need to know so how fitting that our first character deep dive comes from one of the first ever characters that we are ever introduced to in the series none other than the man himself desmond miles i'm ready to go to bat for him when it comes to two things a his father and b the fact that they didn't give him any pajamas in Abstergo and made him sleep in a pair of jeans. That is cruel and unusual torture. And even the assassins don't. Like, when he goes with Lucy and all them, they don't give him pajamas either. And, like, it doesn't even have to be pajamas. Like, give him a pair of gym shorts. My God, why jeans? Have you ever tried to sleep in jeans before? 
denim. I'm sorry. No, absolutely not. Yes. Yes. It is a crime that Desmond does not have any pajamas. If Shelby could enter the Assassin's Creed universe, she would give him some pajamas and then punch his dad in the face. (sighs) Yeah, I probably would do that. All right. You ready for some fun facts? Let's get into it. So Desmond has different eye colors throughout the series. It is not consistent across the games. Um, in AC1, his eyes are a gold color. In AC2, they are brown. And in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, they're blue. So there are, I have some theories about this, um, mainly because we know that Desmond, spoiler alert, gives birth, like, or he doesn't give birth, but his son is a sage. So maybe the different eye colors is connection to that. Um, but I think it's just that as the character developed, different stuff has come out and they changed different things. But he does have different eye colors across the games. According to his files in Abstergo, his blood type is a positive, which is only fun because now I know a video game character's blood type, but I do not know my own blood type. You should just like put it in a note in your phone. I've never I've never been told what it is. My mom doesn't remember what mine is, so there's You know what? I bet it's I bet it's on my birth certificate. Okay, well, the subject of this podcast is not your blood type, nor is it your birth certificate. So let's just just get back to Desmond. It's just a funny little joke. So fun fact. This is fun. Desmond, Altair, and Ezio all share the exact same scar that is on their lips. You know who else has that same scar? Who? Mr. Cullen Rutherford from Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, yeah, he does, too. Fan theory. Crossovers. Here we are. Crossover universe. Let's go, baby. And so this is the last one. This is more just kind of trivia and weird i think it's a weird fact Uh, according to nolan north who is the voice of desmond miles the original plan for desmond's story was that he would appear in six games which he appeared in five um using the animus to acquire the skills of each of his ancestors by the last game he would eventually become the ultimate assassin and would be able to travel back and forth into different eras weird i'm kind of glad they didn't go that route so those are my fun facts about Desmond. Um, other than that, he is the character to appear in the most games. Well, no, we got Sean and Rebecca beat him, but he's right up there with them. I mean, for somebody who died like 10 years ago in games, like that's still pretty impressive. Um, so just a little like history. I'm not, uh, and this is not going to be a rehash of the Ezio saga or the Desmond, like five games. I'm not going to hash those out. If you want to play them, they are available on almost every platform that exists. Um, go play them. You can get that. You can even get the Ezio trilogy and Assassin's Creed three on switch. So, you know, you can play these. So go do that. So, but just in early life, Desmond was born in 1987, which means that he was 25 when he died. And in an assassin's facility outside Rapid City, South Dakota, known as The Farm. Now, we know The Farm was a training facility for those born into the assassin order. He was born to master assassin William Miles and an unnamed assassin. Uh, To this day, we do not know the identity of Desmond's mother, though we do know that she is alive. 
or the last we had mentioned of her in 2012, she was alive. Uh, we do know that she survives the Great Purge, and it can be assumed that she's still alive because Desmond asks about her in Assassin's Creed 3, and William is like, we'll talk about her when this stuff with the Templars is all over. Obviously, that doesn't happen because Desmond dies at the end. Uh, but we do not know the name of his mother. His mother has never been named. That's kind of shitty to me. Uh, we have so much information about him and we know so much about his dad, but nothing like we've never gotten any kind of flashback in like any kind of comic or anything like that that William appears in is crazy. Yeah, um, I think that I think originally there might have been a plan for her reveal. And like some kind of like important character that she was. But I would be curious if in all the transition and like redesigning how the game structure and the reset with Layla, if that idea ended up getting scrapped. Possible. Um, I do think it's an oversight regardless, though. Yes. Uh, so for Desmond, training with William was in a word terrible. Uh, Desmond remembers. Yes. Desmond remembers his training as intense, and he describes his father and mother as paranoid. Uh, and so this is so much he doesn't believe that the Templars and assassins are real. When he's growing up to this, he thinks that they they're just paranoid. And so when he's 16, he runs away from the farm, uh, sitting at his parents are citing that his parents are just paranoid conspiracy theorists and that there's no like Abstergo isn't bad and the assassins aren't real the assassins are just a group of conspiracy theorists and anti like capitalists who want to take down this big corporation which is not I mean they are I would describe the assassins as anti-capitalist and want to take down big corporations but maybe not the conspiracy theorist part and so in 2005, when he's 18, he meets a woman who he unknowingly conceives a child with. That child's name is Elijah, and he deserves his own episode. But it is stated that Desmond did not know he, was existed, he existed, and he died before he could meet him. So before you go out, Desmond is not like skimping out on his child support. He has no idea that Elijah exists. Desmond finally gets a job as a bartender where he gets... Good with a signature drink called the Shirley Templar, which is just a Shirley Temple made with gin. Isn't that funny? I think that's funny. That's hilarious. I'm just also like, for somebody who doesn't believe in this secret organization, you really are giving them a spotlight right to your right to where yes. you're at. Well, because Desmond doesn't believe in there, he is not as cautious as he necessarily should be. Uh, he decides that he wants a motorcycle and he needs a motorcycle license. Well, to get that, it requires getting your fingerprint done. So he gets his fingerprint done and voila, Bingo Bato, Mega Overlord Big Brother Corporation of Sturco, uh, finds him. Yikes. It is noted that, like, he's 25 when this happens. And I was stupid when I was 25. I think we all were stupid when we were 25. I mean, sure. For sure. Um... But I do think, to be fair, uh, this goes a little bit beyond stupid. But also at the same time, like let's let's just think about it from Desmond's perspective for a little bit. 
He doesn't believe that the assassins and Templars exist. He thinks his parents are crazy. So why should he be careful about his fingerprints and his identity? He's just doing normal early 20s guy things, going out and getting a motorcycle and being a bartender. That's yep. those are pretty tame things to do. I totally agree with you. And I do think he is just being a normal 25 year old. Um, it's just a thing of like. This is my like critique of William Miles, like. The assassins have like indefinable proof that the Templars exist, like it is tangible proof that they can point to and say, hey, like. This is not conspiracy theory. Like, let's lay this out in a rational thing. And historically, the assassins have been a rather rational group. Mm -hmm. They are not fanatics. Mm -hmm. They are not zealots. They are clear thinkers and rational. I mean, at the core of their thing is nothing is true. Um, yeah. In a point of like knowing that they have to think rationally and not take anything that the world presents or that or governments or things present as fact so it's my thing of like this that william is not leading well and i think that before we get onto the william miles hate club which we'll get on later um but we it must have been incredibly difficult for william to lead in the time that he was leading um sure absolutely um he makes he makes terrible choices, and I'm not excluding those terrible choices, but I think a lot of how he treats the farm and how he treats Desmond and how he leads is due to the fact that he watched his entire world crumble before him. Absolutely. However, as the leader of a huge organization, you have a responsibility to figure out what your biases are to figure out where you're making bad decisions and like not let yourself make decisions because you're triggered or because mm. you're fearful. You just, it's just your responsibility because when you start doing that, then what you do is you treat all these people that are around you in bad ways, which is what he does. So mm -hmm. we'll get on this train later, but not to derail yeah. you at all. Sorry. So this is what's interesting about this time at the farm that I really want to point to. And it's that. So let's do the time like. Desmond, he's 18 in 2005, which means he runs away from the farm in 2003. The Great Purge happens at the turn of the millennia because it positions them to to allow George W. Bush to win the election of 2000. So Desmond is at the farm when the Great Purge happens. But he has no idea that it happens. In AC1, he talks about the assassins or whatever, and the assassins actually launch a rescue on the Abstergo facility to try to get him, and they're all killed. And he, and he makes a comment or whatever, and Lucy goes, those were the last assassins. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it seems to be Desmond's first acknowledgement of the great purge of this, like purging that Abstergo did of the assassins at the turn of the millennia. So that begs the question that William was not telling the residents of the farm what had happened in the outside world. 
which kind of begs the question of like William is not being forthcoming, which is why Desmond thinks they're conspiracy theorists, because William is not showing forth the evidence that is the assassins definitely have to say, like, no, this secret organization definitely exists. Yeah, and I mean, I do think that this is a failure of of William to really almost be a father. Um, like, it's not just his failure as the mentor. Um, it's also his failure as Desmond's dad, because he's like, he's not teaching him like the basics. And I do think also like teenagers as a whole, they want to disagree with their parents. They want to pick fights with their parents. They want to believe in the opposite things that their parents believe in. And so he really should have like given a reason, a compelling reason that this was was plausible right um and so obviously like we get we're at to the point he's captured by abstergo these are the events of the game he's subject 17 he explores the memories of altair then he does the Ezio trilogy going bouncing forth he gets in his coma they reveal lucy's a traitor all this stuff happens at ac3 they find the temple they get they stop abstergo they activate the shield and desmond is dead that is the end of his story. And this is the thing that's interesting about this is like for this modern day character, we don't have a lot of outside game, outside game timeline material about him. And like, in reality, he lives such a short time. He's mm. 25 when he dies. And so obviously, as we get into this, like he makes appearance, he does make some appearances in other content other than the games that he is in, like, um, he is the modern day protagonist of AC of Assassin's Creed one through three, which reminder is five games, not three, because Ubisoft can't count. He is the longest running modern day protagonist. Um, second is Layla, who has three games. And then after that is the analyst, which has two. The analyst and the initiate, which have two. What are their games? Black Flag and... Black Flag and Rogue for the Analyst. Unity and Syndicate for the Initiate. Interesting. And so he's in those five games, those stories, those overarching stories, which I can't imagine because like when they were first released, Brotherhood and Revelation were shorter games and they were kind of offshoot games. I cannot imagine jumping from two to three in story. Yeah, that's fair. Like, there's so much that happens in Brotherhood and Revelation, like, in Desmond's own story. I cannot imagine, like, you know, jumping into three and being like, oh, well, where did William Miles come from? Like, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Like, what? what where's Lucy? Like, all this stuff that's happening. And I'm like, I can't even imagine doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does appear in what's called Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Initiate, which is a news website kind of like hub that Ubisoft created. Also a web game. I'm reminded they did something similar for Dragon Age back in the day, like back in like 2013 or something like that, where there was like a game exploration kind of thing that existed from like a web page. And that's what this was. Um, and so basically what this was, was like this open map that you could like click on like if you remember when back in the day when Pottermore first came out 
this was very similar to and similar in that stream of things with Assassin's Creed. And so you could get these different database entries. And there was a whole thing called the Desmond Files, which was about like what happened after he died and like where how Obstergo got his body and other things like that, which is now pretty much almost all contradicted because in the Desmond Files, it states that there's only two Obstergo agents that acquired Desmond's body, but when we get to Black Flag and we see the records of it, it's all of Sigma team that is acquiring his body. And so what is the, the, there's conflicting things over here. So I would honestly take the game, always take the games over anything else, unless it's like a novelization of the game or something like that. But the games are the main media. Always take their uh, stories over anything else but he also appears in flashback in uh the work of the assassin's creed the blade of xiao Jun, which is a story about her outside of the um kind of side scroller assassin's creed chronicles china and so that's where he appears um we're going to talk about like his personality and some other discussion questions and quotes but i think now's a good time to go to that mid-break yeah let's do it another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Ma cos'è? Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! I'm sure you can put this to better use than I can. Oh, what's this, Greeny? Assassin Christmas. I need to be oiled before I go to the games. Well, I would have been happy to assist if you were in any state to compete. I likes to be royal. Well, that's obvious. All right. So welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about all the things that have to do with the lore cast and not the lore of Assassin's Creed. So the first thing we do every week is thank our patrons. Thank you all so, so, so much for being our patron. We love you. We appreciate you. You help us keep making the show. Um, without you, we truly couldn't do it. So thank you so much. Um, we don't have any new patrons to shout out this week. We've had a lot of new patrons join in the past month, which is so exciting. Um, but we also do have somebody to shout out because we now have a mentor tier assassin who gets shouted out every single week. And that is Voss. Thank you so much for being our mentor tier assassin. Uh, we hope to see you on the next patron chat. And if you want to join the patron chat, as a reminder, at $10 tier and up, which is, I think, the assassin tier, you can get um, access to merch. At the $20 tier, which is the master assassin, you can come on the show. At the mentor tier, you get all that. Plus, you get your name read out on every episode and lots and lots and lots more. So if you can, definitely sign up on the Patreon because it is so worth it. Now, if you can't join us on Patreon, we do understand. But we um, 
do have another way that you can support us, and that is by leaving a rating or a review or a comment on Spotify. And so if you leave us a kind rating with five stars um, that says something we can read out on the podcast, we will read it. And so this one comes from the SEO Deep Dive, and um, this one is from Tatante who said, I found this podcast and love to listen to this while I'm working. It gets me through the day. Teacup has a lot of knowledge and SheCup asks the questions that I'm thinking of. I love getting the history. Thank you so much for that awesome review. Now, the next thing I have to tell you about is our Discord server, which is my favorite place on the internet. We're awesome over there. We talk about pretty much every single game that's popping off like Every Assassin's Creed game, of course, we talk about Dragon Age 2, but we're also talking about Baldur's Gate 3 and Helldivers 2 and Pal World and, and the new Lara Croft, whatever. There's literally every game talking about at all times. So definitely come over there and hang out with us. Even if you don't understand how to use Discord, we can help you. So come over there and hang out with us. Now, I don't have any playthrough updates, but Austin and I do have a huge huge update um, for y'all this week. And that is that we have opened a new shop with our very own merch. So we've got merch for the Assassin's Creed lore cast. We've got merch for the Dragon Age lore cast. We've got all kinds of merch and you should definitely check it out. You can find our merch in the episode description or at cupspodcasting.com. There are lots of different ways you can um, get to that page, but there are tons of really amazing and awesome designs, including my personal favorite, which is the William Miles Hate Club t-shirt, plus um, Assassin's Creed Lorecast beanies, other t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, all kinds of stuff, so much more. Um, and we'll probably keep adding new designs too along the way. So um, if you want Assassin's Creed or Assassin's Creed Lorecast merch, you definitely got to go check it out. And I think, I think that's all we've got for the middle of the show, Austin, unless you have uh, anything else to add. Nope, I don't think so. Uh, just, yeah. All right, well then let's get back into it. Malaka! 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 A party? I wasn't invited. Neither were the horses. <laughs> I'm sure she just misplaced my invitation. <sighs> Stuck. See if you can find something to pry it open. Honor? What are you up to? No, don't do that. There's no way of knowing what's on the other side! Alright, so, I think... When we're going in this, this is going to be more kind of like a freeform discussion versus the history. This is going to be kind of a deep dive into like who Desmond is as a character, his personality. Um, and then obviously we'll talk about some quotes. And then I have a discussion question at the end that I want to talk to in addition to why we love or hate Desmond. Um, so the AC Wiki describes Desmond as gruff and cynical. Now, I think that's a little pessimistic of a view of Desmond. I think that a little bit misunderstands his character a little bit. I definitely think that Desmond is jaded. I think that that is a characteristic of him. It's in his humor. It's in everything about him. But I would not gruff and cynical because he's not really cynical about the world. In fact, his the reason he runs away is because he's not cynical. He's not cynical enough for William. 
and the assassins and all of that stuff. But he's jaded because the world has not been kind to him. He has reasons to be jaded. He's not trusting of everything because the people who he's supposed to have the most, the most trust in, his parents, he doesn't. And that affects his personality. I don't know how you feel about that, if you disagree or agree or whatever. No, I agree with you completely. I don't think he's gruff. I think he's closed off. I think that he is protective of himself because he's been through trauma. And I don't necessarily want to say that Desmond was abused. I don't think we can go that far. I don't think we have enough information to say that. But I definitely think we can say that at worst, he was neglected. And definitely neglect is a form of abuse, for sure. Um, but I just feel like... I, I just completely agree. This gruff and cynical description is not it at all. Um, closed off, jaded, bitter, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, look at the way he responds to his dad when his dad shows up in the games. Um, but no, I don't agree that he's gruff and cynical because there are so many times where he is just like joking around with Lucy and Sean and Rebecca and like just generally learning what it's like to have friends. And I don't think a gruff and cynical person is going to do that personally. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. Right. And I think it's important to note when we think about Desmond's story is that he's effectively like raised in a what would be equivalent of a religious commune. Um, he's raised in a place that has a specific worldview that it wants to produce. And so it, all his education and everything that he does in his early years is geared through that specific worldview. Now, obviously, I don't think the assassins are as damaging as some other religious communes or cults are when we compare them to our modern day. But functionally, this is how the farm is functioning. Um, mm -hmm. so Desmond, when he runs away at 16, is the weird homeschool kid. Like, if you really want to think about it. So he, he doesn't have the social skills that someone like Lucy or Sean or Rebecca, who grew up in like a social, a more socialized world would have. Desmond did not develop the socialization skills that he should have because of how closed off his upbringing was. Is my theory. I I honestly, I don't think that's a theory. I think that that's just reality because, like, you have to think about it in terms of culture. You have to think about it in terms of exposure to society. He was not raised in a society. He was raised in his family. Like, imagine if you as listeners, you as Austin, you didn't go to school. You didn't go to church. You didn't have cable. You didn't have books. You didn't have radio. You didn't have DVDs. You didn't have video games. You didn't have Mario Kart. You didn't have any of these things that we took for granted as children. You didn't have Leapfrog. You didn't have the Rugrats. You didn't have uh, SpongeBob. You didn't have Nickelodeon. You didn't have uh, Nickelodeon's Day of Play. Like, you didn't have any of these things. You didn't have Captain Crunch. Like, and it, it is really is that minute that they didn't have any of that. 
because they were secluded from the rest of the world. William wasn't. Desmond's mom probably wasn't either, but Desmond was because he didn't go and do any of those things. He didn't go and talk to the people that William talked to. And so I think Desmond is remarkably, remarkably well-adjusted when we you know, take it for all intents and purposes. He is remarkably normal because you have to imagine all those things that I just mentioned, there's about a million and a half more of them that he didn't know about. And somehow he manages to to figure out a way to be mostly normal as a human being. He figures out what Shirley Temple is, both the drink and the person. So at some level, he's done a lot of educating of himself. Um, and I think right. that that makes him a really, really complex character. And I don't think there are a lot of characters out there like Desmond who have that same kind of like escape from a commune. Like the only ones that I can really think of are like, uh, what's her name? Kimmy, Kimmy, um, what's her name? That t- TV show Kimmy. with the girl from the office, Kimmy Schmidt, a breakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's a miracle. They're alive. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Schmidt. Um, So, yeah, I just um, I have a lot of compassion for for Desmond because I do feel like he's drawn the short stick of life. Um, How many people have really shown him love in his life? It's I think the number is heartbreakingly small. Yes. and like this is the point and like we can ar- make the argument that like William shuts down the farm and like does that because for all he knows they're the only assassins left and I get that and I get that choice or whatever but like you have to understand like Desmond is jaded and cynical imagine imagine that the first time you see a grocery store is when you're 16 years old and imagine like yeah. the jadedness and the realization of all that your parents hid from you. The whole world of what the parents hid from you. And the realization like, of course he's jaded. Of course he does that. Not only to mention that, but your dad is kind of a raving lunatic about the evil of the world and that there are Templars and he you know, pushes you to train and is like, oh, you've got to train, you've got to be an assassin so we can beat the Templars, which kind of presents a view that we'll talk about later with Desmond's relationship with William. Um, And you know what? We'll talk about this now. We'll just talk about this now. Like, he has this strained relationship with William because Desmond believes that William only sees him as a means to beating the Templars. That's what Desmond thinks. That is deep down and he might and like he has this strange relationship and like it is a hundred percent like deserved like the animosity and the frustration i would not say hatred i do not think that desmond hates william um mm-hmm. i completely agree with that and frustration and that he feels towards william is a hundred percent deserved Desmond does still display compassion to William. He risks everything to go save him from Abstergo and Warren. Um, He does all the stuff. He asks about his father emotionally. He asks about his mother trying to mend the relationship. And William is just 
completely focused on the Templars and all of that stuff. And like, part of it is the thing of like, yes, we can acknowledge that William has his own trauma, but Desmond has obviously dealing with his trauma, which it should not, the parent should be showing the child how to deal with trauma, not the other way around. And not only that, and okay, let me just back up for a minute. I know that I joke all the time that I hate William Miles and that I am the president of his hate club. And I am. And I defended him a little bit on the William Miles character deep dive because that did give some enlightening information. And I I agree with you. I don't think that he is this completely evil person. I don't even think he's like worst father ever of ever depicted in fiction. But I do think he's the worst father probably depicted in Assassin's Creed. Um, but I'm going to give you my full explanation, listeners, for why I hate this man. And the reason why I hate this man really can be summed up in the fact that in everything he does, he inverts the parent-child role. In everything he does, he plays the victim. He puts his own needs first. He puts the needs of the assassins before Desmond. He puts his own wants and desires to be a leader before what Desmond needs. He puts everything, every single thing he does, his fear, his anxiety, his dreams, all of that come before Desmond. And as a parent, which I'm not, but I am a child. And so I know, you know, I, I was parented. So I know what good parenting looks like and what it doesn't look like. As a parent, you are always the one that is like your role with your child is never going to be on equal footing. You are always going to be the parent. You should always strive to protect your child. You should always put your child first. Like, that's what unconditional love means. As a parent, you should love your child unconditionally. Now, sometimes, absolutely, in the case of abuse, in the case of, you know, breaking the law, in the, in the case of murder, like these extenuating horrible circumstances, yeah, let's put up some tough love boundaries. For sure. I'm not against boundaries. But Desmond is not an abuser. Desmond doesn't do anything wrong. Desmond is just a kid who's never seen the world, and William treats him like he's the problem. William treats mm. Desmond like Desmond is the scum of the earth. William, just because Desmond ran away, just because he wanted to see something different in the world, because he wanted a different life for him, for his own life, than being his father's pawn. What William really hates is that he can no longer control Desmond. And the part of this is like William does have a like moment of redemption, but he changes too late. It's when he realizes that Desmond is gone that he realizes the failures that he had as a father. And that is the most frustrating thing is that if you had realized that, if you had taken the moment to connect with your son, when you found him, you found him again. Like, why does it take him so long to rendezvous with Lucy, Sean, Rebecca, and Desmond? 
why does he do this? Like, and I know the relationship is complicated, but if he really wanted to redeem himself in that moment, he would have any parent when a parent would have found out that their child was found. He he was mentor of the Assassin's Brotherhood. He could have moved heaven and earth to go see Desmond. And he doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. And he has every privilege, every power in the world to make things right with his son. And he doesn't. You would think a normal person, a normal human being would see, oh, okay, my son ran away. What a normal response is freaking out, going to get them, trying to repair that relationship immediately. What does William do? He doesn't do that. And when it's, you know, what, six, eight? No, wait, no, hold on. Because he's 16 when he runs away and 24? Five. 25? 25 when, when he is abducted. They get reunited. That's nine years. That's almost a decade in which he's not seen his father. In a, you're telling me that in a decade, William hasn't reflected on any of the mistakes he made as a parent? You're telling me that William in a decade has not thought about how he mistreated Desmond? You're telling me that William in a decade, in a decade, 10 years, has not thought about how he will act if he's ever reunited with his child? In a decade, he has 10 years to think about and reflect and repent for his behavior and how he mistreated his own son. And he doesn't do any of that. And that is why I am the president of the William Miles Hate Club, because he is trash. He is a bad parent. And all he cares about is himself. And we didn't even get to his treatment of Lucy or... Clay Kesmeric. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I can understand a little bit of like these arguments for, oh, well, like he made mistakes, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And dealing with them. I get it. Like we all make mistakes in work. But when it's your own kid, that's where I kind of draw the line. I'm like, mm, absolutely not. Right. All great points. All great points. Um, so obviously, like Williams or Desmond's relationship back to Desmond, uh, his relationship with William is very, very strained. It is very tenuous and it is very complicated. And there's a lot of nuance and emotion that is there that if you haven't really explored the conversations and explored what has happened in Desmond's story, you might not get these things. Um, you might not experience like why Desmond is the way he is towards William. Um, but just a couple things and then we can get into some quotes. Um, a little by heart, Desmond does have a very robust sense of humor and a very sarcastic sense of humor, though I do want to note that his sarcastic humor is different than Sean's. Sean is very sarcastic in his humor. Um, I think we could describe Sean's humor is very much directed at others. I don't think he's necessarily like attempting to degrade others, but like his humor is like being a jerk to other people. Like that's the sarcasm that he does. Like, you know, like, oh, Sean said another thing. Aha, you're an asshole. Like that's Sean's humor. Desmond's sarcastic humor is much more like self-deprecating. It is more like 
look at like, oh, I just fucked up. Oh, my life sucks. Ha 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 ha. Um, uh, in general, like he does general corny things, which we'll get into with some kind of like quote that when we get to our quotes, but like that's Desmond's humor, which is a different kind of sarcasm, which I think is reflected in Desmond's trauma. Like it is, I think Desmond's sarcastic humor is a defense in whether he would be able to say it or not. Like he's like, ha ha ha, let's laugh about how much my life sucks because if you don't laugh, you cry. And then lastly, kind of like what really sums up Desmond for me is Desmond is a hundred percent the reluctant hero archetype. Like, that is the archetype in storytelling that he is fitting into here. Um, he's skeptical about the assassins and Templars at first. He doesn't even think they exist, but eventually he does come and accept his role. Um, and there's a great quote. It's not one of the quotes that I'm going to read to, but you get it in Assassin's Creed Valhalla because uh, Sean shares it with Layla about a, a recording of Desmond talking about what it means to be an assassin. And he basically... Um, he basically says like that he was jealous of Sean and Rebecca because they got to choose the order. He was born into it and he wishes that he would have given a chance to really see the cards on the table and choose the Assassin's Creed order because they really are the ones who are fighting for what's best for humanity. Um, and it's, you know, Connor says it in one point where he's Charles Lees is basically like, why do you persist? Why do you keep doing this? You strike us down and then we keep happy, popping up. Why are you keep doing this? And Connor says, because no one else will. And I think Desmond comes to that point of realizing and becoming that. But I really like Desmond as a character in this is because he does play this reluctant hero very, very well. Like it's very well written and it's a very like trial and era of Desmond coming into the own to be like, um, more than just, I want revenge on Warren Vidic because he's an asshole to we're taking the Templars down because they're going to destroy the world from revenge to altruism is a great journey that Desmond goes into. Any, uh, any last yeah, thoughts I, before we move on to some quotes? So I think that okay. the thing about Desmond's character that really sticks with me is that he is so loyal. Um, and it's, it's remarkable to me that he would even want to join the assassins. And I know that like, yeah, he doesn't just walk up into an assassin cell, like willingly right off just like a nobody sure he doesn't do that he his story is more complicated but the fact that he's willing to work with them the fact that he's willing to become one of them the fact that he's willing to befriend lucy sean rebecca and others is remarkable to me because he's gone through so much trauma at the hands of this organization at the hands of his father and so i do i do think it's remarkable that he is even interested in any of it at all um, because i think he has every right not to be i think he has every right to say fuck you fuck this fuck the assassins leave me the hell out of it you can go die in a hole i i would be tempted to say that if i was in this situation and so I just, um, I, I think Desmond is a very honorable person because he does not hold it against them, because he does not hold his trauma against people of the same group. And I, I know I can't say the same. I, I know that there are people who are 
you know, think in a certain way, people who are like a certain whatever that have done me wrong. And now I'm prejudiced against them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think everyone does that. I think that is human nature um, to do that. Once one person of a certain group wrongs you, you're hesitant, you're biased against them. And Desmond, mm-hmm. even if he has those misgivings, he doesn't let him let it stop him from doing the right thing. And I think that's that's really honorable. And that's that's one of the reasons why I like him so much. Right. And a hundred percent. And I think one of the things that of that is like Desmond is open to allowing his experience and encounters with other people change his mind. He is allowing yes. like that he doesn't know everything. Um, and he allows new circumstances to change what he knows. And I think this is really a failing of William is that like, because when Desmond is presented with undeniable proof that the attempts, assassins and Templars exist, which is the animus, his journey through the animus, when that's laid out in front of him, he's like, okay, like, okay, my dad was like, these people were right. Okay. This is thing. So, which just mm-hmm. tells me that if William had taken the point of like really laying out the evidence for Desmond, he would have jumped on board. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, and so with that, I have some quotes. Um, I was going to give kind of an explicit warning because some of these contain uh, words, but uh, you just said the F word three times in that <laughs> rant. So I think we're well beyond that. But if you in case miss that and you are listening in an environment where hearing these words are not conducive for your continual uh, participation in that space or employment. Uh, please note that there will be more coming up. And the, these are quotes um, that and Desmond. It's okay, I'll mark I'll mark the episode as explicit. Yeah. Uh, Desmond is a big fan of the F word. So here's where we, uh, we know. get on this. So I have some quotes that I think really show these character points that we were um, doing. And I'm going to start with some fun. Uh, this happens when in Assassin's Creed 2, when you're escaping the Abstergos facility. Uh, Desmond, he says, hey. What's the point? What's the plural for animus? Is it animuses? Animi? What do you think, Lucy? Lucy? What do they need them all? What do they need with all of them? Lucy, Desmond, shut the fuck up. Please. Which just kind of gets his like corniness and questions and curiosity in, in that. Um, I think uh, a classic that is in there, this happens at the end of Assassin's Creed 2 when Minerva turns and goes like, this is a, this is a message for you, Desmond. Uh, he just goes, what the fuck? Which is uh, relevant. It's a mood. That's how I felt at the end of Assassin's Creed 2, too. Right. Um, and this is interesting because he remarks he has a lot of conversations with Lucy that you can either miss if you don't go out of the animus and talk to her. But they're talking about his childhood and he goes, you have any idea what it's like to be trapped in a place knowing there was a whole world out there I'd never get to see. Which goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how he felt at the farm and how that colors a lot of this. And so these last ones. um, are really like what we were talking about in the end about Desmond's character. Uh, I will tell you that some of these, one of these in particular, 
gets really sad and angry. Well, we used to have it as a mid-break sound, um, but it's one of my favorite quotes from Desmond because I think it really sums up his frustrations, particularly with his father. So the first one is happens at the beginning of Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, it says, William, the temple triggered a bleeding effect. You collapsed and entered a fugue state, Desmond. So naturally, you dropped me into the animus instead of, I don't know, making sure I was okay. Again, we see this relationship that Desmond is like, you're not behaving like my parent. Why did you not check if I was okay? Um, and then I think here's a quote that uh, is from the end of Assassin's Creed 3 that is why Desmond makes the decision that he does. And we can see this altruism and ideology from the assassins. Uh, this He says this to Minerva before he activates the shield and uh, sacrifices his life. He says, whatever Juno's planning, however terrible it might seem today, will find a way to stop it. But the alternative, what you want which is a continuation of the same cycle that has always been. There's no hope there, which shows that like, no, we deserve a choice to deal with this. You don't get to decide for us if we can deal with this or not, um, is where Desmond is. Um, and then here is our last quote, which is a long one. So bear with me and then you can share your general thoughts about, we'll talk about why we love or like Desmond. And then we'll talk about, um, a potential spoiler for the ending of Valhalla, and then I just another discussion question. So this is Desmond ranting in the in the beginning of Assassin's Creed Three. You want to know what's wrong? I'm sick of being treated like I'm not even here. Desmond, do this. Desmond, do that. Desmond, you better figure things out because the sun is going to turn us all into ash. And I know I was really nice to you, but actually, I'm just another Templar plot twist. And yes, I would like very much for you to be controlled by a magic space wizard so that you can murder me. So there's your answer. I'm sick of being a goddamn pawn. I thought it might be different with you. I mean, you're my father, but it turns out that you're no better than the fucking Templars. I just want to say this scene plays out with William hitting Desmond and telling him, don't you ever compare me to those bastards ever again. Which I think is more telling that he's not upset that Desmond is accusing him of being a terrible father, but that Desmond compared him to the Templars. I take back what I said earlier. I said earlier that William was not an abusive parent, but I've completely changed my tune. He is an abusive parent. He neglects Desmond. And he physically assaults him. Like, can you imagine punching your child in the face? Even if they're an adult? Even if they're an adult. Can you imagine punching your kid in the face? No. Only to maybe defend myself if my life was threatened. But even then, I think it would be hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, let's take out the extenuating circumstances of, like, self-defense and you know, murder and all those things. Like, if your kid is yelling at you, can you imagine punching them in the face as a response? And if, if, if I was a parent and my kid said this to me, that I don't care about my child, that I only care about myself, that I treat my child as a pawn, if... If my kid truly thought that I was treating them the way that my like immortal eternal enemy was treating the rest of the world, I would be heartbroken that they see me that way. But 
but not even that they see me that way, that that's how I've hurt them. But all William can think about is that his child dared to compare him to the Templars. And I think this is like, this is, this is a moment where Desmond is like bearing his soul to his father and is saying, this is the pressure that I've been under my whole life. This is the pressure that you've put me under to be the savior of the world. And it feels like you don't care about me, nor do you even want me here as your son, as a person that you love. You only care about me as a pawn in your plans. And all William can think about is how dare you compare me to the Templars? I just, I just don't understand it. I just truly don't understand it at all. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that one thing that people underestimate a lot of is the trauma of Lucy's betrayal. Because for a lot of ways, like the reason Desmond goes is because Lucy is the first person really in his life who shows genuine care about him as an individual. But it turns yeah. out that, like he says, just another Templar plot twist. And that betrayal probably runs really deep and de- there's probably a subconscious part of Desmond that is turning to William for comfort because his brain is wired to do so. And yeah. it's not, it's not found. Yeah. And I mean, if you really think about it, I think that the heartbreaking thing about this is I, I truly think that Desmond like, I think that he thought he wasn't deserving of love. Like he thinks he mm-hmm. wasn't deserving of like having healthy relationships because why would he think that? No one ever has treated him that way. And sure we don't know much about his mom. We can kind of assume that his mom treated him with kindness, but who knows on that front. And then I really think the only other people that really truly loved him are the little trio he has. Um mm-hmm. In the games. And it's like, I don't know. It's just such a failure of parenting um, on William's part. And it's, it makes me so angry, actually. Yes, I, I know. But before we're here for until tomorrow um, in ranting. Oh, I've said everything I think I need to say. Yeah. Um, Just in general, I'll go first. Like, I don't hate Desmond at all. I love Desmond. Um probably top tier character he's obviously like voice acted by this prolific voice actor who is very talented and is displayed very very well in nolan north and he's just a good character and he is a good job of making you care about what happens to him and his story and all of that stuff as well as like the really and we we all know that we all when it comes to it, we want the historical story. We want where we get to run around and be an assassin and do all of that stuff. Like we want that, but Desmond made such a compelling modern day protagonist and such a compelling story across those five games that I just think there, there hasn't been a character like him in the game since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of getting into our last question, but I agree. I completely love Desmond. I, um, I, I just, I want, I want better for him. Um, and his father infuriates me. And I, I definitely think most people in life can empathize with Desmond because we've all experienced people who 
don't treat us the way we should be treated, right? Like everybody's experienced that. That's like a universal life experience because people are generally shitty. Um, But I think Mm. the people in life who, I think the people in life who have parents who did not treat them right, whether that was like explicit abuse or maybe just like your parents worked a lot and were never home, or maybe your parents were just kind of mean to you and maybe it wasn't abuse, but you didn't feel loved by them. Whatever the case may be, I think people who experience bad parenting maybe feel a lot of kinship with with Desmond. And I think that that is... It does make a compelling story because a lot of people experience that in life and we can all empathize with him. Um, and, and no matter what, like the powerful thing about Desmond's story is that he doesn't let the circumstances that he was born into dictate his life. He is, he has this miraculous power of selflessness, of fighting for the assassin cause when he has every reason not to. Um, and so I think that's what makes him a compelling and lasting character. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with all of your points and everything about it. Um, and this is a good transition to, I talked about Desmond appearing in Assassin's Creed 1 through 3, those five games. But he might have appeared in a sixth game which is the ending of Valhalla. And so if you have not played Assassin's Creed Valhalla and you're waiting and you're waiting for spoilers and you're trying not to be spoiled by that game, you just turn the episode off, come back and finish it, and we'll talk about it. This is your, spoil- this is your spoiler warning. I know we do a general spoiler warning and it's a lore cast. Like, you should expect spoilers, but this will be a spoiler for Assassin's Creed Valhalla major. So it is possible that Desmond is at the end of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It is possible that when you go into the world tree as Layla, you encounter someone called the Reader. Um, you free Basm, and then you encounter the Reader, who's looking at the calculations of time. Now, we know this is possible. And I'm not going to get into a lot of this, but the Isu have been able to look at the flow of time and use the calculations to predict where they go. Um, The reader is looking at time to try to prevent another catastrophe, is what happens at the end of Valhalla. And that reader is voiced by Nolan North, which heavily applies. Like, it's possible they're just reusing his voice. But it's highly unlikely a video game character would use that prolific of a voice actor who had voiced such a prolific character in the series again without unintentionally, like without purpose, just to use him again. So it's likely that Desmond's consciousness exists in this area and he is doing this and he's trying to calculate a way to prevent this tragedy. and. Basically, Layla says, like, with this problem, you're dealing with too many constraints. Like, and so the reader is, he's basically, she's basically like, what if you look at this in possibilities that Desmond didn't sacrifice himself? And that's the end of that. And then it ends, and that's the end of the game, and we get into Basm's story and everything that follows that. So there's a possibility of manipulating time. Maybe Desmond does come back. Um, but 
who's to say? Uh, I think it's likely that is Desmond's consciousness that's doing that. He's now some part of Isu technology. Like, I don't think he's really Desmond anymore. I think he's some, like, just his consciousness, his essence has been uploaded to that. Yeah, I agree. Um, Why would they bring back the voice actor if it wasn't intended to be Desmond? Right. But I don't necessarily think it implies that Desmond will return. I think that Ubisoft definitely could use this to like kind of field test um, if the audience would be receptive to Desmond returning. I do think that's a possibility or even not even that he's returning, but like to test to see if the audience would be interested in more Desmond content generally, whether that's books, comics, whatever the case may be. Um, I absolutely think that's possible, but I, I don't know. If I don't think they would bring him back for a main game unless definitely not as the like player character in the modern day storyline, but maybe further um, like iterations on this reader thing. Right. I think I agree with you um, where that is. And this kind of like brings back to a point because this is the fact the modern day story in the game has suffered since. We have lost Desmond since Desmond died. His story was very complete. And like, I don't really want, I wouldn't really want a world where Desmond does because I think the arc that he goes on is so complete and so well constructed that I don't want to undo that. But my thing is it is that has Ubisoft missed their chance to introduce another modern day character like Desmond that can capture us and like i know there's a lot of people who love layla and i don't necessarily i don't hate layla i think she's interesting and i think she is definitely a character that i cared about and that i wanted to see succeed but i also felt like there it wasn't the same connection that we had with desmond Mm -hmm. has ubisoft missed the mark like have they established too much variety in main game protagonists at this point that they've it's too late to introduce one that we would become attached to again. No, I don't think it's too late. Um, I don't. Because I think that if they write a character that's compelling, they can do that in a game. They can do that in one game. So I don't think it's about the time span. I think it's about how compelling the character actually is. Um, And for me, I think Layla is a little bit annoying. Um, I never really connected with her. Her behavior in Origins specifically bothered me. And so to me, she I never really cared about her. I always preferred the um, historical protagonists in her games rather than than her. And not that like I never preferred or not that I always preferred Desmond over the historical characters, but like in the earlier games, I never was like dreading going back to the modern day. I was never like, ugh, why would they do this to me right now? Where if I was, it was rarely or because they took me out of like, they left it on a plot twist cliffhanger, not because I didn't want to go back to the modern day. Whereas with Layla's games, it was very much like, I don't care. Why are we here? And so back to this question with Desmond, I don't think it's about the time i do think it's about how well written and how compelling the character story is for me personally okay. yes i agree with all those and those are great points um definitely a point about the compelling character but i think it also goes twofold is that 
they really struggled to introduce a new team. Like Layla always had like one person with her, like in Origins, it's someone through the like you don't even see them they're just on a radio and then you have victoria who's with her in assassin's creed odyssey and then she has sean and rebecca but like sean and rebecca are repeats and so like we don't care about the modern day story because of layla we care about it because of sean and rebecca yeah i think if basm is going to be a modern day story person who comes into this i think that's a possibility um i think people are really attached to him in a lot of ways and interested in what he has what is going on with him but they need to introduce a new cast of characters and i'm talking like brand new not like they did with layla which is let's throw in a bunch of people from the comics that people who read the comics are gonna know but then they didn't they didn't like uh do the character development with them um because they're all away yeah and completely agree and i think you can introduce characters from comics from books whatever um and and let them be compelling characters because if they're popular in the comics they probably do have a compelling story but you've got to do the work to make sure that the audience sees that development and that it's not just you know, part of an optional thing um, that you have to dig through emails to get to. I think that's where the modern day storyline suffers because as the games have progressed, it's become fewer and fewer and fewer cutscenes and fewer and fewer and fewer transitions back to the modern day, so much so that it doesn't really exist in the last few games. So I think that's really why these characters are not compelling regardless of how they're written. It's because we don't have much time with them. Whereas with Desmond, we get so much time with him. So many cutscenes. Cutscenes where time in the modern day storyline where it's cutscene, you have to do stuff and then you get another cutscene. It's not just like a few, a few minutes. And I think right. that's that strengthened Desmond's story. Right. And like a lot of people don't realize this, but like Desmond's story in Assassin's Creed takes place in a year. Like it, he might be abducted in like 2011, but he or 2012, but he dies in 2012. Like, so it's less yeah. than a year at most a year. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Well, do you have any final thoughts about anything to do with Desmond? I don't think so. I think we're ready to wrap up. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this research. I know this has been a long-awaited character deep dive, and there's so much information about Desmond out there. I think we probably could have kept going for three more hours, but we we just have to cut it off somewhere. Um, so once again, thank you, Austin, and thank you to all of you who are listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. Find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. 
If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light. wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.